Hello, welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. My name's Andy Bell, unexpectedly and probably temporarily hosting this one um, because Dave Dunning has uh, had some commitments elsewhere, but he should be joining in the next five or ten minutes, all going to plan. Um, but anywhere we're going to get started. It's myself and Jay Reid, and yes, as I say, you should have Dave coming in in about five to ten minutes or so. But uh, Jay, as much as I'm really tempted to do Ajax and get it out of the way, and then he has to talk about Nottingham Forest, um, I feel like we're going to have to probably do this in chronological order if we're not going to really upset him. So uh, we'll, we'll start with Forrest, um, then we'll do Ajax, then we'll do the weekend's game, which is Leeds at home. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, the two, two performances are very contrasting from, from Saturday to midweek. And um, Liverpool, after decent results, well, an amazing result against Manchester City, a decent result against West Ham, and two much better performances. You could have been forgiven for thinking we had turned a corner and the optimists within us thought we had turned a corner and we'd come up with something and, you know, all the rest of the performances were behind us. And we're even starting to look at the league and see it's only a seven-point gap now. And, you know, we pulled it back from eight points last season. Can we get to the World Cup with that intact and then see where we are? But Saturday was was back to the Liverpool we've seen, unfortunately, for a hell of a lot of this season. This reminds me of Takeshi's castle, <laughs> you know, when they're running through all the doors and all of a sudden they end up in the water. Um, <laughs> or the seven stones when you think, oh, yeah, I've made it all the way across and then it fell in the water. <laughs> like, just when you think you're getting somewhere, you know. Um, you know, that popped into me the other day and I've been sitting on it for a few days because of what that's a little bit of a gem. Um, but I think maybe the team took for granted as much as we took it for granted as fans that, you know, Nottingham Forest bottom of the table, pretty much with a million signings, we still think they're probably a championship side because the form book says they are and, you know, the table doesn't lie as the old cliche goes, but, you know, they weren't really showing any semblance of decent form. They kept a couple of clean sheets, I think, coming into it, which if you play fancy football, Hugh and I do, Nico Williams is a weirdo because I've played him for so many times and then drop him and then he keeps clean sheets. But it was it was just one of them games where I think if we would have played until Sunday, I don't think we were going to score. Um, something you know does doesn't seem right about the whole club, and I think you know a result last night doesn't mask that. I think we all know there's there's probably something going on behind the scenes somewhere somehow, whether it's you know recruitment policy, medical team, you know, players not mentally switched on, players not physically up to standard. We we don't know, we speculate, but, you know, it's evident to see we're not the team we were last year, but we can only go with what we've got. Um, it was it was a hard watch, but, you know, is it really a surprise this season that we've lost to Forest after beating Man City and a, a solid result against West Ham? I, I don't really think it, it was much of a surprise, really. And I turned off after 75 minutes. Unfortunately, I didn't have to be there, but you did. Yeah, and unfortunately, our lift um, wasn't up for getting off after 75 minutes. Otherwise, I'd probably have been joining you um, in the blissful oblivion of uh, of not knowing how that last part of it went. But yeah, you're absolutely right. From from my perspective, I was there. It was row two um, of the grounds. We didn't get a massively brilliant tactical element um, or aspect of the game. You know, there were, I was writing the divide as well, and their fans were being clowns, singing silly toys, you know, full of, full of a, a, a crowd full of scabs is what I would call them, people who have, uh, who vote Labour and, um, and uh, you know, ultimately have seen what poverty has done to the North, but yet still feel like it's a, a point scoring thing for to get over Liverpool's borders. Anyway, we'll not get into that because the game itself is depressing enough. And um, Dave has just jumped on here. Dave, do you want me to, to, to keep hosting for this part and maybe take over or I'm going to have to do the full thing or you can take over now? Uh, we have started, by the way. Um, he's on mute. If you let me know in the chat or whatever. Oh. Just crack on. Just crack on. I'll, I'll morph into host halfway through or something. Yeah, that's dead on. Um, right, Dave, I've just, I've just chatted to Jay about uh, the first part of the Nottingham Forest game. As I say, we're really tempted to do Ajax and then let you come in for Forest, but we, we thought well, that would be a bit hard arse, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, I, I was just saying there, I, I was row two of the ground, didn't really get a tactical overview, but what was very clear to me, I think, was the difference in physicality uh, between the two teams. Obviously, we end up with, with Elliot and Carvalho, Curtis Jones and plays in the midfield and I actually thought Curtis Jones was really good in that regard and um, he was stood up and was counted and was strong um, and you know didn't let himself be bullied but the amount of times Carvalho lost the ball cheaply 
and just not quite having that physicality or strength, which you're not really going to have at sort of 18, 19 to, to hold it up and, and bring others into play. And then maybe that you don't get as much in the championship. I'm not sure, but it felt like every single one of their lads was six foot four and our tactic of the chipped through ball over the top to the wingers very clearly wasn't going to work, but we had absolutely nothing else in our locker. I don't know how you saw it. Yeah, it all became, it all became very predictable. Um, we were so narrow with no wins at all. Um, and that to me just played right into their hands. Um, and they do, they're, they're a big, strong physical side. And it used to be that we were a big, strong physical side. We used to buy all the big, strong, fast players when we bought players. And like Nunez is a perfect example of that. He's big and he's strong and he's really, really fast. So, yeah, I think Carvalho was technically gifted as he is. Elliot, the same. I think, you know, it's not really... It did, The game, the way it played out, didn't lend itself to them. And you could kind of understand where Klopp might have been going with that. Maybe looking at the likes of Bournemouth and other teams that had just come up. Forest generally do play open, expansive football. Um, they have thrown caution to the wind. They have been porous at the back and maybe having these guys on the pitch would have would have played into that. Um, I don't know how the last minute changes. I know I think, I think obviously Nunez is probably a late call. And um, and Thiago obviously even later call. Um, I don't know whether that impacts the shape. Even if it doesn't impact the shape, and we're still going to play the same shape, we're still trying to learn a new shape every week, as it appears. Um, so yeah, all of those things kind of thrown into the mix. And you know, whenever you play that badly, it generally never. It's it's never one thing or two or three. It's normally four, five, or six things. So all of that is what I saw as us just being um, not very good at football and like someone, someone, someone go and find whoever that number three is and ask him what he's done with Fabinho. Yeah, Fabinho's long lost brother does seem to be. I've been playing for this the last 12 months or so and I suppose a good... Um, incorporate a couple of people into this next question, Jay, because, you know, Fabinho is somebody who certainly seems to have lost a bit half a yard of pace. Now, I'm not sure if it's because he's a bit leggy and um, because of the physical toll that last season's taken on him. Obviously, he's gone away to Brazil every every international break. And in that position, I suppose, that half a yard of pace. And Fabinho never was that quick, but he always had two or three yards in his head. But that half a yard of pace seems to have made a massive difference to him making tackles and him getting around the pitch. But also... I suppose other players in, in, in that, you know, Joe Gomez, after two really good performances at the weekend, you know, everyone knows what, what my thoughts are on him. But even I could could say that he dealt with Holland perfectly and then did really well in midweek. But I suppose physically, he can look off it at times. And there's, you know, he, he makes actually a really good foul for their goal. But the fact that he was caught and then there's another one where he can just he can just get out and clear it. But he lets Alan E run through. Um, and don't even get me started on his, his distribution of the ball. That punch ball into midfield, he must have lost it eight or nine times. And that kills you because all of a sudden you're then facing your own goal. You've only the four players back and you're out of structure. And um, you're going to concede loads and loads of chances that way. And it felt as though we were conceding loads and loads of chances. And if Nottingham Forest actually went and, and scored a second goal or even a third, you probably couldn't have really complained. They certainly deserved it more than we deserved an equaliser, I thought. Sorry, I'm just giggling away because Ronaldo's had a goal ruled out there because, yes, I've got nothing better to do on a face and I don't watch that. <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, you know, for me, since I am. Um, but, yeah, regarding Gomez, first of all, I think, yeah, we, we share a bit of a contrasting views on him, but I think one thing that's very evident is he can get in his own head a lot and if he makes one sort of slip-up or error, then it just plays on his mind for ages, like very Lovren-esque in terms of like when one card falls, the whole deck falls apart with it. And it, it's not something we can be doing with at the moment, but, you know, the hand with else is we've got no other centre-halves of, you know, a decent standard um, available to us because injuries and all that. Um, and yeah, I did like the tactical foul, like you said, and it was something that I was crying out for in previous games like you take the foul you get your men back in position and you deal with it from there except we didn't um, Fabinho I'll come back to him in the in the Ajax game because you know there'll be 
stuff to say there, but yeah, for the man who was imperious as a central defensive central midfielder and arguably, you know, with anyone else, probably the best or one of the top two or three in the world, you could say over the past few years, this year, you really are struggling to say, would he be making the top 25, 30? Because he looks so off the pace. Um, yeah, he used to be one of the untouchables, didn't he? One of the ones that you don't say a bad word about. And the fact that it's... He was a first name on the team sheet at the time. Yeah, now yeah. He's, but the fact I mean, his form is now being widely spoken about, because it has been a long time, it just goes to show kind of the depth of the situation here, because this is not... This is not a patch of form. This is a long-term malaise now. It's it's concerning. Um, it, w- what can we really do about it? At the moment, nothing. Um, will anything happen about it? Probably nothing. Um, but we are where we are, and we all know the issues. Like We could delve into it. We have many times. But it, it is worrying that you know, we are allowing players to age and decline and not, you know, have a succession plan when we, you know, we've said for years, like, we were the most successful or best-run club as it was. Like, you know, we had plans, we were recruiting unbelievably. We sort of looked like everything was going in the right way. And now, I don't know, it, it just seems like we've left things just slide the last couple of years without realising maybe, you know, the the runs to finals and running close in the Premier League and Champions League and stuff has, has taken our eye off the boil or maybe it's complacency and thinking that these lads can keep doing it and maybe you've taken this horse to the world too many times and it's actually turned into a donkey. I don't know, but it, it's concerning because, you know, we're coming into the weekend against Leeds and, you know, the script is there that Leeds have not won in, what, four or five games. You know, they're really struggling for form. Would you be surprised if we dropped points at home with them? I wouldn't. Really, I wouldn't. Um, and, and that's something that we shouldn't be, you know, thinking of really. But I don't know. It's, it's just where we are at the moment. I don't want to be too negative because, because there is a positive thing to come. But if we are talking Saturday, that was a, a hell of a negative to, to go off, really. Yeah, Dave, kind of last word on Saturday uh, because we have got obviously Ajax and Leeds to talk about. I think it was concerning for me the chances we created. Now, we actually, I haven't seen the XG um, stats, but I could actually imagine that our XG would be quite high given all the Virgil chances, given the chances towards the end and the kind of double and treble chances. And, you know, we were a bit unlucky in the face of it not to score towards the end. You know, we probably put up on enough pressure and just about cultivated enough chances to get a goal. But I think the concerning thing for me was all of our chances came from set pieces. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, in the Premier League, tough tough away games you know probably the strongest league in the world that every chance every game is going to play out like you'd expect a Pep Guardiola Barcelona team to play out that you're going to cut these teams open and open time and time again with beautiful football and nothing you know nothing else would happen for me the concerning thing was the fact that we all of our chances came from set pieces and it was only set pieces which was our only way of doing that and you know, ultimately, if, if a team was better set up from, from defensive set pieces, we wouldn't have had any chances really there in that game. And you can't go to a promoted side. As I said earlier, I'm not sure if you were on, every single one of their lads looking like they were over six foot four um, and and rely on set pieces to get to, to, to get goals and chances out of a game. But we, apart from that, and maybe the one Elliot chip ball to Carvalho, where again, that has to be perfect. Um, we didn't create anything. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um... But my what's more concerning for me is you should be able to go away to well le, well let's put it this way um, if you went you used to go to Burnley and go to Stoke when they were newly promoted and you used to have to do that you used to have to dog it out um, and maybe get the odd scrappy goal like how many times have we gone to Burnley and won one nil with a you know Ragnar Clavan header and garbage like this and sometimes you have to do that the concerning thing for me was. Um, how easily they expose us. And again, there will be times when it's maybe not clicking going forward, especially when you are missing the players and attack that we are. But ultimately, if we are going to resolve the situation that we're in, it needs to start from the back. It's so cliche, but it, there are, there's no foundation there to build from. No matter how many goals we go out and score at the minute, we always look like conceding 
Um, and you know, the the chance. Even even like even if you go back to West Ham, the one that Milner gets a toe on right at the end, like we we're back to that state of no matter how shite the opposition is, when we concede a chance, it's like a seven or eight or nine out of ten chance, and that can't we can't continue like that. So I don't know I don't know what you think because for me, for me, there's goals in this team, generally speaking, but we are just too porous. And couple that with our absolutely tragic away form, particularly in the league. Two points from 15 in the league away from home. Like, that is criminal. Um, you know, we're, I don't really know what else to, to tell you. I'm not, I'm not as concerned about us going forward as I am with those two statistics. Yeah, fuck um, that fairy liquid kit off. That's what we need to do in the UA form. <laughs> it's, ab- it's absolutely awful, isn't it? It looks like a, it looks like the shittest oil spill ever. Oh, keep that green one last night, though. That was lovely. Keep that one instead. No, I'm with you, Dave. To be fair, and like I completely get your point. As I say, I'm not naive to the fact that sometimes you need to go to away to these teams and dog a game. But I think. The difference in those seasons, you know, where we go to Burnley and get the Clavin winner, the difference, you know, when we're going to Stoke and, and dogging games out, as was generally, as was this wasn't the case sort of early days under Klopp, but, you know, in other games we were looking like we had cultivation of chances in us and creation of chances in us and a bit of ingenuity in us where we don't look like we have that really at all this season. A lot of the time we're Ryan and like Luis Diaz doing something magic or Mo Salah or, you know, or... I don't know. It feels like absolute graft to create chances. It used. To, it looks like when Manny was off form, he used to do this thing where he'd he'd do something absolutely brilliant and he'd beat two men and nutmeg somebody and get past them and he'd lift his head up and he was still forty yards from goal. And it's like for you to for you to to actually get a goal from this, you need to do something literally that would be resembling of a Puskas award. Whereas Liverpool used to sort of get in areas and create chances and and and, and get the ball in areas where a goal didn't look that hard to score or could happen at any time, but that doesn't look to be the case right now, or certainly didn't look to be the case on on, on Saturday. That that was my issue with it. That, that that performance wasn't a one-off. If it was, I could easily sort of get around it and understand that, yes, sometimes set pieces, you do need them to create chances in games. All right. I, I take your point. Um, yeah, I take your point, but then again, I'm pointing to to Diaz missing, to Nunez was missing, to Jota was missing. Um, and like, I don't know, are we ever going to settle on a shape? So kind of just to take a day accent, that was, that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was another weird new shape last night. It was a weird diamond by the looks of it. Um, or it didn't work, especially in the first 30 minutes anyway. Um, I don't know if you were going to me or Andy then, but I've just well, let's in. stick with you now you're here. <laughs> yeah, because um, Andy didn't watch the game for all we knew. He was he was uh, preoccupied by ladies' football his new fascination um, because maybe they're better than the actual men's team. We don't know um, yeah, if they can are. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it might be more fun, regardless. <laughs> either way, uh, at least you get into you know probably see some actual decent football. I don't know, but yeah, I think last night. We we were all sort of at a question really. What is the lineup? Because there was no obvious sort of setup on paper. I thought maybe it was it was going to be Darwin from the left. If it was a four three three, Mo from the right, Bobby down the middle. Which at times it sort of did look like. Or would we went for a four two three one? I thought it was going to be a four two three one with with Firmino in the ten and the double pivot of Fabinho and Henderson. And then, you know, Salah left, or Salah right, and... Um, Elliot left. Elliot left, potentially. See, I thought that would be the natural fingers. And just to bring it back on what Andy said earlier about Carvalho and Elliot against Forrest wanting to to come inside all the time. And if that's their strength on the on the inside, with, like, obviously Elliot's left foot, Carvalho's right, I don't know why at no point we did we ever switch them out wide and just say... You know, try your look around the outside. I know neither of them are rapid wingers, but you know, Serge Aurier and Nico Williams, come on, you can have a go at them. Um, but last night, the so-called diamond, as it looked, um, was rough, rough in the first 30 minutes. And I know this is my point I'm bringing to you about Fabinho. 
we were playing Elias on the right hand side, Henderson on the left. Henderson, he, he, he assisted, but we know he's not. He's gonna. He's not got a left foot. Um, that lad will not use his left foot if he, you know, he was in a dogfight. But it just didn't work. And for me, I know I'm over hypercritical of him, but we were so open because he was bombing forward. Elias naturally drifts forward and Fabinho was sat there like a lollipop man trying to marshal players and we all know his legs can't do it. So it was just an absolute car crash for the first half an hour. And then eventually we sat in and we got a grip of the game. And then, you know, how it took half an hour to get to that point, I don't know. And what came afterwards for 25, 30 minutes either side of half-time just won the game for us. But I... Wouldn't mind seeing the diamond again, but not with those players in their positions. Uh, well, who knows if we'll ever see it again. It looks like a new formation every week, Andy, as I said. But I, I don't know. I, I get first half an hour where we're awful, really. Um, probably first 40 minutes, to be perfectly honest. Um, but... There, there, there ha- I have a lot of sympathy for the players... Because we've come from a position of absolute comfort with what we're doing, how we're playing, the shape we're playing. Everybody knows the role. Everybody knows everybody else's role. It is, it's like it's absolute muscle memory. You know, it's just another day at the office. And all of a sudden, all these players are, are rocking in and being asked to do different things in different positions, in different shapes, with different roles and different responsibilities, different areas of the pitch to defend and you know people have been very critical of our press and rightly so but like it's very difficult to have a coordinated press when you're looking around you and going why i don't really understand why he's there or why he's there or where i'm supposed to be am i where i'm supposed to be and if he goes do i go but i'm not really sure so i get it's the same as if you start to do anything new you know you're you're a little bit insecure about it and second guessing yourself. So, you know, I don't know where you are on 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 the players and the press and and are we actually going to settle on something or is this just a bit of desperation and just keep chucking mud at the wall and wait until something sticks? I don't know really. I think even you know going back four or five games. I remember we line up against Rangers at home and we, we I think that's the first time we go for the front four, isn't it? And that night it's Nunez, Jota. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought somebody had walked into my flat there, but I think my fridge door's just fallen down. Anyway, I think it was Nunez, Jota, Salah and Diaz who start that night. And everyone thinks, everyone, the debate was whether it, it would be uh, whether it would be Nunez or Jota up front, or would would both of them be there, and would Jota be in the left or Diaz in the left? And then at one point I lifted my head, and Nunez was on the left, Salah was on the right, and and Diaz was 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 through the middle. So I think they've been doing a lot of rotation anyway. And even last night, you see, I guess it's nominally Darwin Nunez on the left, isn't it? But then that's uh, many points he's popping up in the middle, and even at, at one point he was on the right. I know we, we set up a little bit differently from corners and we always see Trent and Robertson in different position from corners, but it, it felt like something that we're trying for five minutes. So I don't quite buy the excuse of in the press that, you know, just because Darwin Nunez is playing left wing rather than up front, that he doesn't know where to be because even when he's playing there, he's going to find himself out there for five, 10 minutes. and He's going to need to know how to press from a left wing position, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm always a little bit dodgy about putting arbitrary numbers and formations, you know, what the, what's the difference really between four two four and four two three? Or what's the difference between four two four and four three three? When your guy who either plays right midfield of a four two four or right centre mid of a four three three is Harvey Elliott, well he pretty much plays a hybrid of those two positions anyway, no matter where he plays. Same with Mo Salah is always coming in into the centre, so you know he looks like a central striker more than a um than a winger at times. And you know if you've got Jot on the left again, he's going to look like a central striker at times and going to be. So you know what it means. Those players are more hybrids rather than sort of rigid players in positions. So I'm not sure I buy into it too much, to be completely honest with you. Um, first half last night, we're, we're really, really poor. And, you know, ultimately we get through it. And I think we're, we're dropping the line a little bit deeper as well. It's something I've noticed. I think it was getting breached quite a bit in the, in the first half of the season. Teams had worked out that 
actually, if we coordinate moves here, then there's literally no way they can stop us getting into that massive amount of space they're in. And I think we drop it back and we're able to sort of defend. We're happier defending in our own box, which I think is an important thing because teams do that to us quite a lot and it's very frustrating. Um, I think we're more happy to do that now. Obviously, there's a first chance. Uh, is it Berg Huis? Are we going for that as a pronunciation? I'm not sure. Um, where's Burrell when you need him? Yeah. He, he gets the he gets the he gets the chance to hit the post, and that's a massive chance. That should be one 0 So I'm not painting this out to be a Rafa Benitez-esque European away performance in the first half. We rode our luck. We should have gone one 0 down. But bar bar that really, and I suppose the one Tadic has where Alexander Arnold makes a big block. A lot of their shots are from outside the area, and we restrict restrict them to that, and we drop deep and restrict them to that. Um, and listen, they can fly in a, a shot from outside the area. They can fly into the top corner, but you know it. It, it you, you probably one in ten of them does rather than the one in two, one in three chances it, that that you said yourself we were given away against Nottingham Forest. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I think first half we're really poor, but we get through it whether it's by luck or design or or, or tactics. Then the half hour after that were brilliant. We could score five or six, and then the half hour after that was really, really boring. So, um, listen, I'm okay on. with the half hour after that being really, really boring. I, I miss us being able to be boring. I miss us getting the goal, like in the last fifteen minutes of the first half, to go one nil up, and then just for the first twenty, twenty five minutes of the second half, just being boring, and then getting the second. Those were great days, but we just we lack we lack the control, and it's due to how effective we are at winning the ball back high up the pitch. It really is as simple as that for me. Um, so look, I don't really know where we go from here, but it it feels to me now it's just kind of a matter of trying to get to the World Cup, trying to find something that kind of muddling our way through and finding something that works in the meantime, and then. You know, Klopp and the guys have got to sit back there for kind of, what, six, eight weeks or whatever it is and take a long, hard look at things and try and figure something out with with the staff that we've got and maybe try and do a diddle in the window. But let's be honest, transfers of players who are... The likelihood is we're going to be going for players who are at the World Cup and that is always a very, very difficult scenario. So I... I don't see us doing any business really in the summer. No, yeah, that's, I can't see any business in January either. I think. That's what I mean. That January's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you know, on the Bellingham thing, who knows what's going to end up there? And as much as I've sort of said, it's difficult to get midfielders in, and sort of being as Jay would probably say, an FSG apologist in this regard. Um, but it, if, if if we don't get Bellingham in at this point, having seemingly waited for a couple of years for him in the way we did for Van Dijk, then yes, serious questions need to be asked. Unless you know there's there's two or three midfielders that have in their mind that they want to bring in, which I, I highly doubt. Yeah, in in January it's going to be a very difficult one, as you say. There's going to be players at the World Cup, but I suppose you look at that Bellingham deal and you, you sort of think. I think if Dortmund lose their uh, last game, are they possibly out in the Champions League? I'm not entirely sure. Are they maybe already qualified? Um, the three points out of Sevilla, I'm not sure what the head-to-head record is there. But anyway, if they, if they were to end up in Europa League, then you could possibly do something there. Whether Dortmund are going to let beat, They beat Sevilla, Andy, in the first game. Did they beat Sevilla. I'm pretty they, sure they did. Are they playing them? Um, because I think City play Sevilla last game. So hold on, let me just check. Sevilla versus Dortmund. Yeah, so Dortmund definitely beat them out there. Um mad that this is what we're relying on. Yeah, uh, Dortmund beat them 4-1 out there and 1-1 in Dortmund. So yeah, Dortmund will be through. So forget everything I've just said and Dave Dunning, Dave Caron edit that out if you want. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's get to the World Cup, isn't it? It's. I mean, I was saying that we're now 10 points behind and I, I highly doubt we're going to mount a title challenge at this point. Obviously, the league's still important. We need to be in the Champions League next season. We don't want to be relying on winning the Champions League to get into the Champions League next season. So you know, you're looking at it 10 points behind and there's three competitions we can be in after the World Cup. We're definitely in two of them. The FA Cup doesn't start to January and we've, we're through in the Champions League now. And we've got a, a, we're a home game against Derby away from still being in three competitions. And as you say, then you can sort of look at that after the World Cup and reset. And, you know, we've got a lot of players who'll be getting a rest there. Well, I mean, I suppose Diaz isn't probably going to get the rest that he, he needs to. He's going to be in rehab. But, um, you know, is, is Jota possibly going to miss the World Cup now as well? Or is that even confirmed? I think Jota's a lot serious than what we're cracking on here. Yeah, so so possibly he's going to miss it as well. Salah, 
Um, yeah, Jota, I think I think I think it's confirmed that Jota will miss the World Cup. Yeah, I think it is as well. Yeah, um, and you know, you never know what the crack is with like Henderson and Trent, and are they going to go? And you know, Southgate's dead weird. Is Fabinho going to go? Is Firmino going to go? We're going to have to wait until these squads are, come out and actually see who's getting a rest and who isn't. But um, but yeah, certainly when you look, I think we compared it to Man City squad at the start of the year. We're getting we're guaranteed to get a lot more players, getting some time off than what they are. Um, not that they're particularly any of our business, but you never know if we draw them in a, a European Cup quarterfinal in March, that, that could take a little bit more of a toll. So, yeah, I, I think just getting the World Cup at this point, and you know, you look at that Derby game, and we should get through that. Um, Napoli, I think we need to win 4 0, don't we, to top the group, which looks highly unlikely given they look like one of the best teams in Europe at the minute. Um, so, whether Klopp goes for that, and listen, Anfield could ignite with a challenge like that if we get a couple of early goals, or whether he just thinks. Actually, you know what? We've got Spurs at the weekend here, and we need to get a win there. Um, and then you look at the three league games, Spurs, um, Leeds, and Southampton, and you'd like nine points, but you'd probably take seven the way we're playing. I don't know what you guys think. I would say the the league is paramount here. The other two are free hits. Like, that's purely for rotation and, you know, giving lads a chance or, you know, resting players, however you want to dress the, the situation up. Like, Obviously, it starts this weekend at home to Leeds. We've got Southampton at home before the World Cup and then a trip to Spurs. Um, we would we would probably all be honest now and take seven points to its offer to us. Um, and that would probably be in order of two home wins and a draw by Spurs. But sorry if there's a climbing upstairs because someone's smashing the toilet. Um, <laughs> um, Lost train of thought there, yeah. But I thought it was Dave who had a Chinese tonight. <laughs> the, the Napoli game and the Derby game, I don't really care. Um, because well, why would you like it? Would be nice to get through in the League Cup, but it'd also be nice just to see. Well, for one, does Calvin Ramsey actually exist, or is he just a mirage of a player that we bought? Um, and two, you know, the, the likes of you know, Bobby Clark or that Ben Doher kid. Um, or whether there's any women who fancy a game in that nice, you know, you probably know better than I do a couple of women's players who could probably do a good job for us. Um, and the same with Napoli, like give Costas a game, if Kanate's on the way back, give him a run out, you know, just give these games a free hit and then get the points on the board and leave because we all probably thought going into the Forest game last week. You've got three points on the board there. We took it for granted we didn't get it. So, therefore, we've now got to, you know, make sure we get what's left in the bag because, yeah, as you rightly put it, we've just got to make sure we're in the Champions League next year. If that's through winning it, that would be great because it would be a big trophy in the bag. But it's it's just got to be making sure we're in the competition because financially we've committed to big contracts across the board, you know, Look at like what Dundee United. I know they're a different sort of force in monetary terms of how they get their money and whatever. But you know deals with Adidas and Chevrolet and stuff like that have, have fell by the wayside and they've dropped because they're not in the Champions League and we can't afford to do that because we are not as financially competitive as United or we're not rigged with money like City and Newcastle and Chelsea. So we need to just make sure that our income streams stay as high as possible and. You know, it is playing at the big boys' table, really. Yeah, look, so just on the Champions League then, Andy. Oh, oh and by the way, just, just to mention, um, has anybody heard if Eddie Howe has come out and um, discussed Conte being a bad look for kids to watch? Anybody? No, I haven't seen that. But is Eddie no. Howe, is Eddie Howe doing some moral grandstanding again? So if he's uh, not no, I'm just interested. I'm just wondering if he has because I haven't heard anything. Just all very. Oh, he's, he's, he's busy. No, he's, busy. he's busy. He's planning his trip to Saudi Arabia um, in the World Cup because there's no connection between Newcastle and Saudi Arabia. I must say. Yeah. So um, I'm just wondering if Eddie Howe is maybe going to make a press conference, make a press statement about um, about how disappointed he is in Antonio Conte's behaviour, which would be. You know the likely scenario, of course. Um, oh God, it's, it makes me so it makes me so sick to my stomach. Anyway, where's Fair um, when you need him? <laughs> so Champions League, Andy. This is probably, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the draw. Let's assume we're going to finish second because that is the likely scenario here. Um, 
although there is a chance that Napoli could look at the league and think we are in with a real shout of doing some damage in Serie A this year. This could be the season, given that Roma, it hasn't really, it's not really working for them yet. It's still all a bit dogged Mourinho. Um, Inter aren't the force that they were, although they seem to be improving. Milan are up and down, Juventus are a car crash. And then you've got the pretenders, the likes of, you know, Atalanta are up there. Lazio were making moves under Sarri. But it's as wide open as it, it's as wide open as it is, as it's ever been. So I just wonder, do they do the diddle of, do you know what, we're through here. And if we're going to get tanked, we're going to get tanked. Um, whatever you like. But honestly, I don't really think it matters if you finish first or second. Um, the only team I'm really looking to avoid is probably Bayern. Because the way they play and the players that they have, and the way we have been defending, that could get really fucking ugly. Yeah, but then you sometimes back us in those games, because when it's very obvious that they have those players and that they could do what they're doing to us if we leave the space, then then all of a sudden we come up with a plan for it, and the players get up for it, and the crowd gets up for it, and you get that siege mentality around Anfield. So, honestly, you know, I, I don't worry about any team, really, apart from possibly Man City over two legs, just because at the Eddie had, I suppose, you know, that, you know, that could get really sort of messy for us if they're up for that but I mean I do think it's important you know to win the group of course listen you could come second and end up with Club Brugge or you could come first and end up with Real Madrid there are both two possibilities but if you look at the the teams in in second right now and there's obviously still a match day to go and there's certain groups that are right in the balance not least Tottenham's which is mad Marseille bottom of that right now and could end up in um and could end up first if they beat if they beat Tottenham at home, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility. But at the minute, yeah. If but you regardless, win- even if Spurs even if Spurs finish first, and that was the other thing here, if Spurs top the group, City top the group with the will and um, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea have top the group. Okay, so you know there's there there's three groups that we can't draw from. So there's only four groups available that we can draw from if we finish second, right? Um, why have I got? Uh, oh yeah, sorry. If Spurs win it, yeah. Um, if Spurs win the group, yes, there are only four groups, but three of those four groups, Dave, would be Bayern, Real Madrid, and PSG. Yeah, that's you know, not ideal, like, is it really? So the other ones, Club Brugge, Porto, Club Brugge, Porto. So if we if we win the group at the minute, our options would be Porto, Inter, Sporting, Milan, Leipzig, Dortmund, or Benfica. And you back us to beat any of those. Obviously, you don't want to sort of avoid. You want to avoid Dortmund there. I'd actually want to avoid Benfica the way they're playing this season. They've given PSG a game a couple of times. Um, obviously, gave us a game last year, but they are looking like the new sort of hipster team of Europe, um, aside from Napoli here. So I'd actually like to avoid them. But you look at that, and there are seven favourable draws. Put it this way, if you finished second and you drew one of them, you'd be thanking your lucky stars. Um, so, you know, that there is definitely more of a, uh, of a benefit to winning the group. I don't think we are going to... I just do think if, if it comes down to it, you know, it's as as good as Napoli are playing, as bad as we're playing, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could be 2 0 up inside 10 minutes at Anfield in a European night against anyone. And if that does happen and you need a 4 0 win, then, you know, Anfield could ignite. Is it not Is it? Is it not a 3 0 win? Um, no, the away goals don't count anymore. Sure the away goals don't count. Yeah. It's head to head, no. Yeah, but, it's, it, we, but I, I thought the away goal out there would have No, it's head to head, and if we anymore. win 4 0, it goes to goal. Oh, no, it was 4-1. Then, it was 4-1 out there. Right. So I forgot we even scored. Yeah. Um, but either way, I think if we... Do we have to win 4-0 and then we obviously beat them? But if it's 3-0, will it go to goal difference and then we're headed them by one? No, they'd be ahead of us by one if we went 3-0. Right. right, okay. So it's... Okay, you, well, there we go. Yeah, there's you the mass everybody. But, it, but it's going to be a... Um, you know, it, it's a it's a challenge, and I'm not even sure how many in the ground will be aware of the permutations or whatever, and they'll probably know that we're just through and that Napoli are miles ahead of us, and it's unlikely. But work can spread quite easily, and it's it, you know it's a challenge, and Anfield likes a challenge. It's kind of like having to beat Barcelona four 0 except there's no pressure on it because ultimately we're through, and that's the main thing. Um, but you never know how that could go. That could be a really sort of nasty atmosphere inside Anfield with the Napoli fans that night, and we all we've had our history with them, you know. I'm taking my 16-year-old cousin to the game, um, and I'll certainly around the ground just uh, just 
have him put his scarf in his pocket for a little bit just in case. But, you know, it, it could become one of them. So, so you never know. But, yeah, ultimately, it's not the most important thing. I'd say the other four games are probably more important. Um, and given how we are playing and given our injury status at the minute, he may just chuck it um, and make sure he gets the points in the other games. I'm not sure. But I personally like to see us have a go if we can. And it's not going to affect anything else. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, so I think to look the leads, Jay. The one thing that like uh, the one thing that actually hasn't been too bad this season is our home form. Our home form's been good, um, and it's just as well given how bad our away form is. So I know like we were talking about you know, who would bet against Leeds rocking up the Anfield and, and winning. Well, actually. I think they've regressed even on last season. I think they are a shade worse than brutal, but they still think they might be quite good. So I honestly believe this is the best possible game for us. If I looked at all the teams in that league right now and how they're playing, Leeds look like the team that don't really threaten Bamford's off it. Rodrigo's really the only goal threat, and he had a blistering start and then has kind of fallen by the wayside. And they are shipping goals left, right, and centre and just look really easy to play against. And this is Liverpool on Saturday. Um, sorry. Uh, you know, it, it does seem so obvious. Like the last four games, they've been tonked. They've only got, what, a couple of goals against Fulham and one against Palace and then even go back a bit further again they didn't score against the poor Villa side they got a couple consolation goals against Brentford they, they managed a draw against the F but you know Everton did start the season pretty bad and then they got beat to Brighton um, so they are absolutely in the mire but I think it's just this season it just would not be a surprise and I, I don't want to think like that but I'll put the positive head on. I got the cabbage out the fridge and it seemed fresh. It seemed ready for the weekend. So um, that'll be good to go um, if the roast dinner's on the cards. But yeah, all jokes aside, um, you know, if we if we can get, you know, the lads that were on the pitch last night back on the pitch with maybe a couple more additions in there, like whether Thiago's ear infection of, you know, nine days has cleared up or whether he just needs a massive cotton bud down there to wiggle it out and sort it. Um, and maybe we see Canate, but I don't think he'll risk him. I think he's more likely to get a run out against Napoli um, just for minutes. You know, I, I'm I'm quite happy with, with going with the same team, but I'm just not happy with that sort of shape we sort of went with. And, you know, maybe, maybe we, can, we can jig it about a bit, but... Really, if we've got Salah and Nunes up top, I think we should have more than enough, regardless of what they can or cannot present to us. Um, because as far as I'm aware, they've literally still got a championship backline. I don't know if they've brought anyone in. I don't really care. But we've got enough in them two lads to put the game away. And, you know, we, you've, you've, you've mocked Nunes. I've, I've backed them. But I think, you know, one thing that can't be doubted is, like, he's got, a lot of talent there and he just needs to harness it in whatever way he can and I think it summed him up last night like that attempt <laughs> that managed to rebound off the post when it looked harder to miss than score and then he comes up with a quality header just sort of sums the lad up at the moment but I think you know he knows where the goal is and we'll be fine with him Yeah it, Andy I was actually going to come to you on this but it's like Darwin Nunez is absolutely determined to make a dick out of everybody all of the people who said he's shit he's like what's this till i bang in what six goals in seven games um and then all the people that have said that he's good here what's this they miss an open goal and like trip over the ball when when i'm trying to score like <laughs> the guy is just and I, I almost think I, I'm almost beginning to think it's a strength because he is just so unorthodox and so unpredictable um, that he essentially is an agent of chaos. Um, I don't know if it's exactly what we need. And I, I'm almost thinking, like, imagine if we had had him 
now when when we were playing, you know, the 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 gegen, you know, the stereotypical gegen pressing um, football of like 17, 18 sort of thing. Uh, but like at the minute, I'd rather see him on the pitch. I'd rather see him on the pitch as well at the moment. He is a mad footballer. He's, you know, someone who just looks so untidy and so unorthodox in many ways, but yet there's so much that he does that is chaos. And at the end of the day, he's so big and so strong and so powerful that, you know, it doesn't matter how good a fullback you are one-on-one. If you if you end up one-on-one with, with Darwin Nunez and he kicks it past you and starts running, and you know that if you get into any sort of a physical battle with him, you're going to end up on your hole, then it's very difficult to defend against. You can be as basic a footballer as you like. And as long as you've got that sort of pace and power and 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 uh, and, and nice that, that Nunez seems to do when he gets in those areas, then you're going to be effective. And that's why I actually quite like him on the left. He still, as we see last night, gets chances and pops up in central areas. And I suppose Jonas isn't on him as much to hold the ball up in central areas and bring players into play. He's the one being brought into play. So, I mean, yeah, the the header is a phenomenal one. And if he can add that to our game, then that, that's massive for us. And that's something we missed at the weekend. I thought Nunez at Forest would have made a massive difference just for that presence, just the fact that he wouldn't allow himself to be bullied and just the general chaos of him. Because, you know, when you've got... And we'll not do the comparison to Firmino because we all know what Firmino does off the ball. It's so much more than what they want Nunez does. But we all know that ultimately Nunez is probably going to score more goals in one season than Firmino has done in his best season. So there's a trade-off there. And we're just going to have to see how that affects the overall play. Um, you know, will the extra goals of Nunez make us a better team or will the, or would the the, 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 the the false nine stuff of Firmino make us a better team? We're going to have to wait and see in that. But what I do know is that if Darwin Nunez is going to have a bad game, he's it's going to be so in your face, it's unbelievable. He's going to miss so many chances because he's always going to get three or four big chances a game. It's not going to be a Firmino performance where kind of you just come away from it and think, yeah, Firmino was pretty anonymous there. He got caught. He he lost the ball in, in tight areas. The crowd had him out and you didn't really see much from him. Goodness me, when Nunez is going to have a bad game, he's going to be all over Twitter and every single time. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm actually quite enjoying him at the moment. I've I've been more impressed in the last couple of games. Some other people seem to have gone the other way with him, but I I've I, I'm I'm warming to him. I think he's very raw. I think personality-wise, um, and he's got that real sort of South American bite about him. But sometimes you see him sort of like having to go to the referee or rolling over, and you think oh, you're a bit of a baby, aren't you? But then Suarez was like that, and we all liked him. So um, yeah, I mean, if, he's gonna, act, if he's gonna act like Suarez, if he ends up playing like Suarez, then I'm more than happy. The famous saying, that football players are cunts, but if he's my cunt, I love him. Oh, absolutely. I, I, whenever I hear that, the player always springs to mind Robbie Savage. Um, you know. <laughs> Were you watching um, the night as well? Because <laughs> 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 um, I ended up muting the game as he was on it. <laughs> oh, Christ, I know, he's desperate. Um, yeah, Jay, and just just to stick with Nunez, just, just briefly, um, there is... There is an element here, there's been so many comparisons to Haaland and so many of them are wrong, but there is an element here where this guy is literally, can have, as Andy says, one of the worst games you'll ever see. But, and I'm looking back at that goal against West Ham, and I watched it a few times, his, his run, his movement is absolutely amazing. He is, he anticipates across. It's one of those brilliant gifts a striker has where he can see that Costas is going to cross the ball before Costas even kind of makes the action to go and do it and he's off so he meets the ball absolutely perfectly and he only needs to do that once a game he can fall over the ball it can and I don't know why this happens to him so much but it like it, it hits him on the heel an awful lot when he's running away doesn't it I don't know I don't, don't yeah know. I've noticed that I don't but, know I don't know why um but at the minute, I'm not that bothered. If we sort the back line out and we can start to become a little bit more solid and have a little bit more structure without the ball, then you can literally rely on this guy just to stick it in the tent the way like you relied on Salah just to stick it in the tent. Yeah, I mean, his movement is, is brilliant. And I think that was something that was spoke up before we even signed him. Like, 
comparisons to Fernando Torres was was all doing the rounds. I I was guilty of it myself because he, he does like drift to one side and then attack the goal like very directly. But when we've seen him, like his work in the channels is phenomenal. I mean, I've not really seen anyone for a long time in the red shirt work the channels like he does, and he's relentless um, in in what he does. So he. He got took off on, what, 55 minutes or something last night, and I think Klopp said himself he took him off a bit early, but he's got to protect him because he had a slight hamstring niggle last week, and I think, you know, we, if he would have left him on, he, he would run himself into the ground like like Luis Diaz does. Like, it's just in that mentality of South American football is that they will give everything they've got until literally they can't stand on their own two feet anymore. Um, and it, it's going to be a slow process, but I think... We are on the on the road to learning of how to play to him. Like as you mentioned, that run um for the West Ham goal. And even last night, like he literally bullied the centre half or whoever it was marking him off the ball and he was determined to get to that that cross from the corner and he pitch perfect Eddie. You couldn't have asked for any more there, put it right it in the corner and right off the post. Like he, he got a lot and what I like about him is he's he's not frightened to have a go. Like I think in the West Ham game, he had four shots on target or something in the first half. He he made three of them himself. He, he's not afraid to have a go. And, you know, if, if you keep having shots, like, you will eventually score. Like, it, it's just bound to happen. And it's four starts, four and four goals. So, he's he's quietly coming on. And I think, yeah, once, you, once we get the structure at the back, it'll look a lot better because he will then, you know, be, be scoring goals out of winning games and maybe scoring goals out of you know, nicking those draws and stuff, although, you know, his last couple of goals have resulted in wins. Yeah, okay. Um I'm still I'm still sticking with my Pippo and Zaggy comparison. It's 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 absolutely spot on. I don't care what anybody says. Um <laughs> it's it, it, it's better than the Andy Carroll shouts that were going round, you know, just because he was tall and strong and had a ponytail that you know, he was decent in the air, but I think he's got a lot more than Andy Carlotta, unless, you know, Andy was he's going got, to the bar that fast. Uh, he's, got, he's got spades more than Carl. Like, he can run for a start. Do you know what I mean? Um, okay, so, uh, Andy, um, Leeds at the weekend, it's it's Saturday night, isn't it? It's like, is it a half seven or something? Is that what it is? Half quarter seven, eight, I think, yeah. Is it quarter to eight? Quarterly kick off on Saturday night, ha- like the Halloween weekend. So let's <laughs> let's hope there's not a horror show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, <laughs> Robbie um, Savage there. Oh dear, dear, I know. Um, but look, I think, like I say, I think this is, this, this is the right game. This is the right game. Um, but <laughs> it's it's a bit it's a bit of a lottery. No, we used to play the midfield game. Who's going to be the midfield three? What the fuck is going to be the shape? What's going to be the personnel? What's going to be who's going to play in what position? I don't know. This is anybody's guess now as to what he's going to do at the, at the weekend. Oh, I don't even know who's available at this point. Gone are the days where I go and premier injuries and check it out and watch the press conferences. At this point, there's going to be 11 players named in the team and I have no idea who they're going to be. Um, Yeah, I'd go. Is Thiago back? Yeah, uh, we don't know. Let's say it is. Let's say Let's for the say is. You play him, you play one of Henderson or Fabinho, and you play Elliot, I think, and you go Nunez. Um, you go Firmino and you go Salah, I think, don't you? At that point, that's all, that's all we can really do. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Um, but again, Jay, the shape is weird. Um, like, I'm, I'm not adverse to like... Like a bit of a... Like a bit of a 4 3 one, two sort of thing with Firmino drifting about there, like in a very, very false nine, um, like almost like a false 10. Um, and then having Salah Nunez almost as like a two up front, a bit narrower. At times last night, he was a false footballer. Um, he was getting lost. But I I think, you know, maybe the shape didn't help us last night, but at home, we should have the lion's share of the ball. And if Hendo or Fabinho play in the sitting role, whether they play in the diamond or whatever. Um, you know, we, we should have license to get our full backs forward. Um and 
if we can keep the door sort of secure at the back, whoever it is, just sit there and, you know, Virgil, Gomez and whoever the midfielder is, just sit and just protect. And then if you want to sort of play that, you know, reserved role for Firmino off a front two of Darwin and Salah, then, you know, your full-backs have got to do the whiff job and get up and down and, and put a shift in. And you know, I don't know much about Leeds, but... You know, if Luke Ayling's playing on one side, surely Andy Robinson's got the beating of him. Um, and I couldn't tell you who the other fullback is. I think it was Junior Fairpo a year ago. It could be someone else now. Um, I I wouldn't be averse to maybe throwing Curtis Jones in, um, give him a little go, but maybe not so much in a, more of a central midfielder or maybe, you know, where Henderson was if we were playing that sort of diamond on the left-hand side and letting him sort of drift there but then on the right hand side if it is to be Fabinho or Thiago then the right hand side role for me needs to be Henderson and to sit in and just help and protect at times because too much attack and play does leave us very vulnerable whoever plays in the six um, will just get overrun because it just seems to happen every week whoever it is so yeah whoever we've got there we can put out it's not many people, um, and I'm sure we'll have 16 goalkeepers on the bench because this seems to be the fashionable thing that we're doing. Yeah. Andy, here is just a little thought that I have been having recently. So, first of all, just on Curtis Jones, as as um, Jay's mentioned, he is going to be the, the, the next Jordan Henderson. He is going to be, there's going to be people like me and you um, who are going to be Curtis Jones, in inverted commas, apologists, and everybody else who is telling us that he's shit. But... Is there a shout to play him as in a four-three-three as wide left in the absence of Diaz? So dropping one of Salah Firmino or, or Nunez? No, in the yeah, well, so drop say drop Firmino, and let's go with a front three of Diaz through the middle, Salah on the right, and Jones on the left. Is what I'm saying. No, I don't think I, I don't think I. Unless you were doing it just purely for rotation reasons, are you saying? Um, I'm just saying as a stopgap, because that left-hand side has become a problem now. You know, that left-hand side is a problem with Diaz missing. We've, we've seen that Carvalho can't really do it. He's had a couple of chances and it doesn't seem to be working for him. You don't really want to push Salah out there. We know that the likes of Elliot in that forward position hasn't really got the pace. Jota's injured. Um, you could throw Nunez out there, but... You know, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I'd throw Nunez out there because um, he's, he's sort of he's sort of normally out there on, uh, last night, isn't he? And I think he does well. I think he can be effective. I understand tactically. There's there's issues there compared to Diaz playing or a Jada playing or whoever that is. I, I mean, I like Curtis Jones, and I wouldn't be averse to it if if it came to it. You know, let's say for me, he was injured at the weekend. And, and we lined up with Curtis Jones on the left. I don't think that would be any worse than any other player who could come into our front three. I personally, I'm just like thinking him. skill. I'm just thinking skill set wise, Andy. Like he's, he's quick enough. He's great feet. Um, he can be direct. He can get a shot away. We know we can score from outside the box. There are a lot of, you know, stylistic similarities to Diaz, although he's not quite as like electric. Well, if you if you if you were to play Nunez on the left on the left of a front three and Jones on the left of a of a midfield three, then you know they can interchange and he can still do a lot of that work that he would need to do. And one of the things that I actually noticed with Curtis Jones, I think he's got a really really good relationship with Andy Robertson when he plays. You look at that uh, African Cup of Nations month last year where Jones ends up playing on the uh, on the left of a midfield three, um, and sorry, you know he ends up playing on the left of a front three. Sorry, sometimes doesn't he? No, no, it is a midfield. Sorry, Jota's on the left of the of the of the front three, and he ends up like just kind of doing a lot of good work. And because Andy Robertson sort of comes inside a lot, he was offering the option out wide. And I think he's a tactically very clever player. And I couldn't believe people were really angry with him on the weekend because I thought he's one of the very few that was stood up and was physically counted. And people say he's he's playing this conservative pass too much. Well, if you watch Curtis Jones for the under twenty ones, that's not the type of player he is. So it must be. It must be instruction for him to be playing like that. And people don't understand that not every ball has to be the cutting edge three ball. And, you know, Jeannie made a career out of that safe pass for us. Now, I'm not saying Curtis Jones is anywhere near the level of, of that Jeannie was for us in his, in his peak years when we were smashing teams like Barcelona. But 
he, he can still do that job very well. And I would not be averse to see him on the left-hand side of midfield. And, and you know, listen, I really like him. I don't really get where it comes from, I think. Um, obviously, I don't know what, what Jay actually thinks in this, but there's a lot of people online who think he just gets a game because he's a scouser, which is just bollocks. Like, it's just absolute nonsense. If you like people seriously think that Jurgen Klopp has got the level of coaching where he is and picks players based on where they're from, it's just you know, it's absolute nonsense. The coaching staff love him. I, I really like him. I don't think he's the finished article by any stretch of the imagination, but he's still fairly young, isn't he? Is he is he 23 around that? So he's got a lot yeah, of learning yeah. to do. 22, I think. He's I think the only game he gets because of the scouser is Jay Spear for the under 23s. Um, <laughs> but he's not a scouser, is he? He's from Birkenhead. <sighs> I don't know where the fuck he is. He's, he's from the Sunbed shop. Um, <laughs> but my, my view on Kearse is he's a decent player, but I just don't think he's Liverpool standard as where we are now. Um, and I think we've not helped him because we've not loaned him. We've held him back, I think, too long. We've held on to him. Um, and whether that's the way... Well, it clearly is the way that Jürgen wants to develop players um, because I thought he could have probably done with a loan, like two years ago um, like you know sort of the age where like Tyler Morton's gone out now and you know play football on a regular basis and find a position because I think the fact that we're having this debate that he can do a job out there he could do a job here sort of to me is the issue that we don't really know his overall best position um, and that that's sort of the, the, the questions probably a lot of people like myself are having and I think if we knew his best position, we'd be able to then say if he was definitely good enough. Um, and I just don't think he's ever going to be able to get a run together in our team to be able to prove it. I could be wrong. I'd love to be proved wrong on this one. Um, but I think for him to have a, a top-end successful career, he might have to leave Liverpool. Um, but, you know, I threw the name Oxley Chamberlain in there. I wouldn't be adverse to seeing Ox on the right, you know, and maybe, you know, taking Elliot out for a game or two because... You know, for 45, 60 minutes, it's something that he could probably do if we are playing this sort of, you know, 4-4-2, 4-2-4, whatever shape we were sort of playing. If we are going to have Salah and Nunes down the middle, Ox on the right with Trent, would it necessarily be a bad thing? I don't know. What do you think? This uh, <laughs> is so divisive, isn't it? <laughs> don't let don't let Chief here. Um, <laughs> I think... I think it depends on Chamberlain's fitness. I think I think an underrated part of Chamberlain's game is how good he is out of possession. Um, I think he's really good in the press. He and he is he is quick. He's quick whether he's still quick or not, I suppose we'll find out given the injuries he's had. But he is explosive off the mark. Um and he's strong and he presses well and he can get back in cover. So maybe having somebody like him ahead of Trent might just be exactly what Trent is crying out for rather than having, you know, an aging Henderson or a fairly um, inexperienced Elias. Inexperienced and probably, you know, a player that maybe lacks the physicality. Um, the, the likes uh, by the Austin. way, that lad will never win a header in his life. Oh, God, no. No, he, sorry, I was just, I, I was watching last night. I think he contested about eight headers and won none. Honestly, Danny DeVito would beat him in the air. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not the worst. It's not the worst shirt in the world. I don't mind it, Andy. Like I don't. Where are you in Chamberlain? <laughs> not a massive fan. I think um, injuries massive take massively taken a toll on his body in that he can't sort of turn around and 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 cut inside as proficiently. I think he can be quite one-paced, and if there's a, he's very good at driving into space. But if the space isn't there for him to drive into, and then whip that ball in on his right foot, then he can look a little bit lost sometimes. What I would say is, if if there are shape issues, you can use him to solve quite a few of them. When he came on against Nottingham Forest, a lot was made of the fact that he only had one touch in 14 minutes, and that touch was a, a dreadful cross right into the goalkeeper's hands. But one of the problems was that every time Milner and Robertson got the ball, there was no option out wide because Elliot was always looking to cut inside. Carvalho was always looking to cut inside. And we only had two midfielders. So the likes of even Henderson, when he came on, couldn't make that run that he usually makes to, to make that triangle and to, to give us an option out wide. The first thing that Chamberlain does, and he doesn't touch the ball, so it doesn't show up on a stat like that. 
the first thing Chamberlain does, he comes on and he actually gives an option and that creates some space in the middle. And you look back to last season, I mentioned earlier there, that month of AFCON, where we start really poorly. We drop points um, to Arsenal. Is, is Arsenal at home is that first game, isn't it? In the League Cup semi-final, where we're absolutely dreadful. The famous Minamino miss, obviously. But we just look completely lost in terms of our shape that night. And we didn't know what to do at all. And obviously, Salah and Mane had gone away. Arsenal are down to 10 men for about 70 minutes of that game. We don't even look remotely like scoring. Um, you know, so... Uh, Alex Oxley-Chamberlain comes into that side and plays right wing. Now, that's completely different to how Mo Salaf has played that position, how Harvey Elliott plays that position. And it was a completely different in terms of our setup because it was chalk on the boots, get to the byline and get the ball into the box. But what it did allow was Firmino and Jota to kind of play more centrally. Firmino set up more centrally, but Jota was able to come inside. So it gave you that balance on the right-hand side. And then, obviously, Curtis Jones was giving you a little bit more on the left of the midfield three. So... Like, it's it's not the worst shout for me. I, I don't think I would do it necessarily in, a, in on Saturday. I think I'd play Salah, Firmino and, and Nunez as my front three. But against Napoli, if you are looking to give one of them a rest or if one of them is in the red zone, if he was to go Jones in the left midfield and Oxy-Chamberlain on the right wing um, and you know possibly Nunez and Salah or Nunez and Firmino, you probably couldn't go Salah, Firmino in that, in that respect. But you could do one of the other two. Another combination, I wouldn't be completely averse to it. And yeah, I think he can solve some problems regarding shape. It's just whether, as an actual footballer, he's sort of so far behind now that that's not worth doing. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Uh, well, we'll see, I guess. So, lads, thanks for jumping in. Andy, thanks for being the host. And then me, thanks for being the host. And Jay, thanks for, I don't know, bending the misses off. Um, so yeah, until <laughs> until next time, up the we don't have a doctor, and Tiago has an ear infection. Put two and two together, Reds. <laughs> <laughs>